Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. Hello, it's Luke here from the Custard TV podcast. Now, if you have been listening to the podcast uh, this year, you'll know that we have been praising the second series of ITV's Unforgotten like nobody's business. Chris Lang has come back with an incredibly strong, incredibly engrossing six-part second series to a show that we named our favourite show of 2015. I think the second series might be just a tiny bit stronger as well. We're absolutely loving it. I was very lucky, actually, to get the opportunity this week to speak to the writer, Chris Lang, about how he structures it, what he thinks um, makes Unforgotten stand out amongst the world of crime drama that we live in, and that all-important theme tune that I love. Enjoy. I was at Thing for ITV um, yesterday, and all everybody I spoke to was talking about was how brilliant Unforgotten was. It's really, really captured people this time around. Really? That's nice to hear. Uh, Yes. I never stop being pleasantly surprised when people like it. You know, you live in this strange little bubble when you make a show where you can... You can very easily, and I've been in this situation before, convince yourself that something's rather brilliant and then you, it gets given up to the real world and their judgment is uh, quite often harsher. So when, when it isn't and when people do think they like it and enjoy it and engage with it as much as you hoped they would, it's, it's, it never stops being a pleasant surprise. <laughs> in that vein then, were you tempted to come off Twitter when it was on? Did you think, oh, I won't do Twitter while it's on in case I see something I won't like? Or you- Well, I sort of don't. I don't monitor it whilst like for instance the show is airing from past experience um my wife kind of holds the phone on this show there's been incredibly little um uh, negativity but on previous shows that i've written they have delighted in reading out some of the less uh, encouraging remarks like that's uh, that's an hour of my life i'll never get back or <laughs> Um, uh, what was this guy well, thinking? So my kids will often uh, read me that out, but uh, they, they've kind of learned now that uh, I don't particularly enjoy that. And uh, my wife, she sort of uh, looks at it, and I'll every now and then I'll look up and I'll say, "What's it like?" And she'll say, "Yeah, it's good." How do you do this? Because you you get a commission for a second series. You could have gone down the similar route again. It worked perfectly well the first time. You could have just told the same story. Will you? Um, you know, did you set out thinking I must do this a different way this time? Whether well, you know what you want to do is is to a degree, you know, you it's very hard to get an audience to engage with a show, so you don't want to throw that away because that once they understood the grammar of the first series, you absolutely want to 
capitalize on that and allow them to know that when they sit down that there's going to be a similar structure um and some of the some of the same themes uh, to, that will continue to be explored but at the same time of course you want to move it on and you want to do something um different so our our, our uh, credo was always the same but different and in a way the story that i told in this one was sort of kind of the story that, uh, that i wanted to write in the first one and um just for a number of reasons didn't i i thought you know it was quite a tough story to tell on a first series so i i, I chose a slightly more conventional story and and then you know the success of the first series gave me the license to tell this one because this story is far nearer to what inspired um inspired the first uh what, what inspired the idea it was all inspired by the historical sex abuse um, uh, cases that were that were cropping up in, you know, 2013, 14, around then, um, particularly Stuart Hall's case. So that was the absolute prompt for, my God, what, what is it like to reassess a whole life when someone's committed some terrible crimes 30 or 40 years ago? Uh, what must it be like for um, him, his family, his his children grandchildren his colleagues his friends um you know there's a lot that needs to be reassessed when someone mm. suddenly suddenly gets convicted of such a serious crime so as of today we are now splitting the investigation into two strands the first will follow our existing line of inquiry that one of our persons of interest murdered david walker because of some connection around the time of his death sorry my moods as a prostitute we're looking at a possible IRA motive with Marion Kelsey and his wife remains of interest for obvious reasons. And then Colin Osborne, the only person so far that we've conclusively proved actually met David Walker. Murray, I want you to focus all your attention now on finding the client Edgerton Tent, Maria Gonzalez. And then we move into very different territory. We already know that David Walker had a lot of secrets and now it seems we've just found another. So myself, Jake and D.I. Khan are starting a second line of inquiry to investigate if David Walker was murdered not because he was going to expose what happened to him 30 years before his death and not because of any of these reasons but maybe as retribution for sexual abuse he committed himself. I think we have to consider the possibility that one and maybe all of them were victims of David Walker as children and then years later took their revenge. I'm less interested in procedure, although in, in this show there is some quite nice detail in the procedure, but it's very pedestrian, deliberately so, um, because I don't think that gets dramatised often enough. But I'm, I'm less interested in that than I am in using the spine, the narrative spine that an investigative show can give a piece of drama to tell you know stories about people's lives. I think a number of the actors have said on... on various occasions i think sanjeev definitely has you know these these four lives that we we go and delve into they could have they could all each be the subject of their own drama mm, uh, easily. And, and in fact when i when i write it what i what i often do when we get to the uh, pre-production stage is i do play i do take the stories in their in their respective strands out of the script and put them all together and form their own individual script so it's, it's a useful exercise uh, for, for the actors because it, it, it allows them to see the through lines and it and, and it really is a useful exercise for me as well because you can just see the progression over the course of the episodes in one block it was always my intention that i wanted to tell stories from the very f their stories from the very first minute to the very last of the drama I, I got fairly fed up of watching certain 
quite linear dramas where you would present a suspect for the episodes one and two and then they'd be dismissed for whatever reasons and then you'd move on to suspect B, then suspect mm. C, suspect D, particularly some of the longer running Scandinavian dramas. And, you know, you'd go through half a dozen people before you got to the person. By the time you got to the person who'd done it, you'd completely sort of <laughs> forgotten. Scandi dramas are sort of famous for having all these people who seem, funnily enough, close to unforgotten. They seem unconnected and then they all come in in the middle but as you say by the end there's a load of people you didn't need as it happens but everybody here is integral to the story aren't they from the word go they absolutely are they they will always have a connection and and that's quite a knotty problem structurally to what is a challenge to achieve it but i i think and hope we've we've done it on both shows uh, another show that inspired me from when i was a kid and from when i saw it uh in the theater about 10 15 years ago and then saw the adaptation it reminded me of it was an inspector calls which uh, is an unbelievably beautifully structured play and manages to do exactly that trick so it's been around for quite a while but it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do before we get into the crux of the story what what i like about it so much is not only are we, are we as an audience trying to establish who may have committed the crime but we're also trying to establish how do these people know it, the person and uh, how do they fit in so how much when you sit down at your computer on that first day how much of that do you already know the answer to um not of course everything um writing is a very evolutionary process and i think uh, people who don't write often assume that you come to a story with it kind of fully formed and it's Mm. It's really not like that. You know, when I pitch it to a broadcaster, you know, I've got a shape. There's no sophistication there, but you could probably tell what it is. And then when they say, yeah, go away and write it, then you just you start that six month process of slowly adding more clay. And and maybe in a way that maybe a better analogy would be chipping, you know, a, a a piece of sculpture out of a block of marble because the story's there and you just have to find it sometimes um, and you surprise yourself often uh, with what you suddenly discover by taking a character down a certain route and that suddenly then enables uh, other uh, story beats to occur that you hadn't thought of before but absolutely are organically right so it's an incredibly complex process to codify um Mm. and 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 you wouldn't ever want to codify too uh, accurately because it's an alchemy in many ways you know you can't quite nail how it happens but uh but it but it's there's a lot of chicken and egg and 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 things happening at odd times i tell you what's interesting for me about this this second series is because i watch a lot of tv drama and a lot of tv drama is crime based i feel often like when i start a show oh i know kind of where this is going the scene, I think in Ep 3, where where you see Rosie go through the pub door and the yeah. others are sat at the table, really shook me up and turned the world of the show upside down. Certainly had no idea what that was about and where it was going to go, Com- completely out of left field for me. Can you explain more about why you decided to connect all mm. of the, the fact that they knew one another yeah. that really surprised me yeah and I, that was something that i'd intended to do from a very early stage because again it was a point of difference from series one where the characters the characters were very tangentially connected they might have crossed each other's paths briefly mm. but um 40 years ago uh 38 years ago whenever it was um 
but they didn't really know each other. I've and... got the DVD of series one if you need it. To... <laughs> <laughs> when was it? It was 1976, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah, something it like that. It was, yeah. yeah, 38, 39 years ago, that's right. They, they knew each other very slightly, and I wanted to explore the idea of a group of characters connected to a, a single murder who uh, you reveal halfway through, and I always knew it would be the halfway point and it would be a big turning point. They absolutely knew each other because it throws up so many interesting questions. Well, how did they know each other? What part might all, none, some of them have played in his murder? Mm. It, it flips everything on its head and it feels very, very different. What it also that then does is, is, of course, it informs every single time you see them for the rest of the series. It uh, informs your opinion of uh, their duplicity or not. It changes in a way the the way the the actors portray them because they're acting within acting now. We sort of know that everything we see of them, there's a big backstory there that we've yet to see. So they are having to play out their lives to the people around them to be different people to a certain absolutely. Extent. And that you know that's that's essential and absolutely organic again to the backstory, which will be revealed um, in Eps five and six, and you'll begin to understand you know. Um, uh, how and why they they know each other, uh, and, and you'll be begin to understand so much more about their connections. And the other thing that I, I that ha- that happens in episode four, which was another theme that I was really interested in exploring, is um, our complex relationship with wrongdoing. When does a victim start becoming uh, a perpetrator, and how do we feel about that? And so, to flip on its head the notion of this character who has, for three and a half episodes, invited our sim- deepest sympathy and our, our sadness because what a terrible thing has happened to him. I'm talking about David Walker, of course. Yeah. And then to slowly start to reveal in, in episode four that actually he's not just a victim, although he is that. He's also he's also clearly done some fairly terrible well, things that, that's what makes it such an interesting twist because as crime drama viewers we are conditioned to feel empathy for the victim i mean often in these dramas you don't meet that you never see the victim live their life on screen they're probably just they arrive at a crime scene and the, the body's there and mm. you immediately feel for no reason at all really a, a degree of sympathy towards them and so to turn the idea of that on a, on its head and that the victim was possibly not the best person in the world is yeah. was another clever thing to do it makes you think as an audience it certainly makes me think well how do i feel about this person and then it makes you think about the stuff you read in the papers i i guess i'm probably a bit of a woolly liberal in that sense you know i think people even people who've done de- dreadful things are uh, should be deserving of some of our compassion and uh, nicola walker said something you know in in the in the last episode when she and, and sanjeev's character had that row you know despite the fact that people have done terrible things and they deserve to be locked up and punished and society needs to be protected from them I think they're still worthy of our, our, our attempts to understand why they did something. And also, I do believe they are worthy of our compassion. And I think you can judge a, a society's how civilised it is by how it treats people that have that have yeah. hurt. A person who's been sexually abused as a child will be very damaged. Yes, and it doesn't give them the right to go and abuse other kids, does it? Well, of course it doesn't give them bloody right. I'm yeah. not talking about trying to justify it. I'm talking about trying to understand. Yeah, understanding paedophiles, nice. Oh, no, 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 hang on, hang on. When a kid who's been abused, goes off the rails and does something awful, we don't just dismiss them as monsters, do we? Uh, no, because they're children. Right, right. So so when does that kid suddenly stop being deserving of some understanding? Is it on, on their 10th birthday or their 12th or their 14th? 
How about when they're an adult? Uh, no. That's when we let them take proper responsibility and we punish them and we protect society from them. Why the hell does it also mean we suddenly just stop trying to understand them? So maybe they don't do it again. Because most abuse victims don't go and abuse others. And the ones that do, choose to. And that is definitely beyond my understanding. Are we done? If anybody asks me what I like most about Unforgotten, and we've talked about this on our podcast as well, and people I've spoken to about it, my favourite thing about the show, aside from all the amazing performances and the way the story's interlinked, I just love the fact that Sanjeev and Nicholas' characters are just normal people, policemen, but normal people, people that go home at the end of the day, have a meal, have a shout at the kids, or talk to their dad, but they're not ruled by... They're not taking their demons home, they're not shouting I want results and tipping desks over. How important to you was it that they are just seen as normal people doing a job? Yeah, it was very important because it's a, it's a sort of fool's errand really trying to create a copper now with a new trope. They've kind yeah. of all been done and um, they've all been done many, many times to strip all of that away and for their trope to be if actually that they have no tropes, that they're ordinary and normal and boring sometimes. You know, their lives are just hum, humdrum and, and exactly like the rest of our lives. I didn't do it just for the sake of it um, uh, uh, or, or to look for a, for a new angle. I actually did it because I felt it was real. I, I, I've met lots of coppers in my, in my job as re- researching them and I've watched a million copper documentaries mm. and you just, you know, they're not like um, the, the coppers in TV dramas we generally see. They don't generally tend to drive around in vintage uh, cars. They don't have offices that are subterranean uh, with uh, all They're sorts They're not all of- alcoholics. <laughs> no. Uh, so you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big stretch. And, and every documentary I'd watched in the last two or three years, of which has been some absolutely brilliant ones, seemed to suggest that that was the case as well. And, you know, this was quite novel to, to, to get that access in documentaries that we've had in shows like uh, uh, The Met and Murder Detectives. Yeah, uh, loved all those. Please guess today. Yeah. Yeah, great shows, and I don't think we've had that sort of access uh, ever before. So it was a real window into it. But I, but I also, you know, I'd worked on the bill, and part of the bills, uh, you know, tra- training process, you had to do this. Well, you had to go and just walk around with coppers all day long and spend time at police stations and and sort of observe interviews and everything. And you know, you just these these people are not that far removed from you and I. They're pretty much ordinary people. Um, are, so, they any, are they harder to write because they're so norm, normal? Because... No, not at all. I, 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 you know, my kids watch it, the show with me and, under under duress, obviously, and, uh, and tied just, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, tied <laughs> up, uh, tied down, so they can't run, and uh, they just spend their time shouting at the TV, going, "You've nicked another bit of our life," you know, because. Uh, there are so many lines that are just my, my me, you know, going, you know, coming off the phone, going, sorry, look, I got to go, I've got to go and shout at my children, um, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's, I've got a big family, I've got five kids here, so it's, a, it's a noisy, you know, uh, family life, and I, I can write that, you know, it's, it, I'm just transposing my own life into that, um, and it's, it's just enjoyable. I, I love it, and I love those little moments. I'm not sure everyone was as convinced as I was that they would work. But, you know, those little moments when you come out of, for instance, the opening scene when they've they've seen this tragic uh, scenario and then they go and stand by the river and and they have a little debate about, you know, God, how weird that this body has been lying there for 30 years and people have been coming here and having their, you know, having their egg and crust sandwich. And and then she goes, I hate egg and crust. And this came out of a conversation I'd had with my missus where we did debate what would our favourite sandwich be? And, you know, and... (laughs) 
and it absolutely plays because it's how people yeah. talk, you know. And your your family must get half your paycheck because they <laughs> yeah. help, they yeah. helped write it, really, didn't they? Whether they knew it or not. <laughs> Could I ask actually about Nicola Walker because this is now the third time, or she's been cast in something you've written with with um, a mother's son and torn. Yeah, and I just wondered. Was was that a conscious decision? Well, I'm a writer at, but I'm also, and and it's really key on all my stuff. I'm an executive producer as well, so um, I'm absolutely uh, involved right from the word go in casting. And, and Nicola was my idea. Um, I had, as you say, worked with her on those two shows, and I'd always seen her as an out and out leading actress. I don't think she was considered as such for too long a period of time because I'd suggested her as a lead for a couple of other things and and and, and it, it hadn't worked uh, because the people hadn't felt she was she was a like incredibly well respected character actress but I didn't, don't think she was seen as a leading actress by the time though I came to Unforgotten and said I wanted Nicola I think Last Tango had just happened or just started mm. She was doing some very good theatre work, and I think that was the little turning moment. People realised that this was a cracking actress who it was her time. So, um, yeah, it was not, you know, we didn't have to persuade anyone. The only person I had to persuade was her, but she was very keen as well. So we both sat in the ivy having coffee. She was thinking, I hope they want me to do it, and I was thinking, I hope she wants to do it. She's an extraordinary actress because what she does effortlessly is actually really, really hard. You know, she, she has to play the part of, a, of a, 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 you know, the detective who leads an investigation, which is a, a really tricky thing to do because you often have long swathes of expository dialogue, but she always manages to invest it with great humanity and warmth and makes it sound real. Mm. She makes it seem effortless, but it really isn't because I've seen plenty of other people do it and not do it like that. So where is he now? Egham. So you are planning to go there? Yes. And what are you planning on saying? Wouldn't he go to Egham with his wife there, who's probably never knew anything about it either? I'll wait till he goes outside on his own. Right. Well, I'll follow him. Okay. And then what? Shoestring? I'll introduce myself. Hmm. Hmm. So talk me through that. Hi, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Martin. You... The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You had sex with my wife 20 years ago. Just wondered if we could chat. It's probably borderline illegal what you're doing anyway. And I can't imagine for one second it's going to make you feel better. I mean, he's rich and uh, hilarious and super smart. Does that make you feel better? Or he's a horrible runty little goblin with halitosis. Does that? 
Or he's ordinary. It's like you, like me, just awkward. Don't make a joke about this, please, with Adam. What do you mean, make a, make a joke? You do that sometimes. You find everything funny. I, I absolutely do not. That is... Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Can I ask you about uh, getting a second series? Because I lived in America when a lot of your early stuff was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like unconditional love and oh and yeah, amnesia, amnesia oh and things like that. Long, long time ago, yeah. and your name for me was sort of synonymous, which I can't say. I've just learnt. Yeah, uh, with, with with strong two or three part dramas, and mm-hmm. I hadn't seen you do a six parter before. So mm-hmm. how did it feel? A doing a six parter and B being let to do a second lot of the same story as opposed to reinventing it again for new characters and, and completely new arc and everything like that. I don't know why I got stuck doing two and three passes for so long. I suppose I'd probably, you know, basically I was writing TV films. That's what I, yeah. and I like the idea of a, a single idea um, that you, you just had a really strong beginning, middle and an end. And uh, I was more interested in it at that stage in my, in my life in narrative and, and concept and that, you know, as you get older um, and hopefully a little more sophisticated and better at what you do and you learn your craft a bit better, you know, you become more interested in character and and, and hopefully you'll still bring the skills of, of structure to, to what you write. And Unforgotten is a case in point. You know, you absolutely have to have a very uh, r- robust structure. You have so much more time to explore character. And, mm-hmm. and it, that's really what an audience is satisfied by, getting to know people and engaging with them and, and a, and a lot of my shows have, all, have touched on on themes of you know there, but for the grace of God, go I. I try I try to write people who we can relate to. You look at them and you don't think they're monsters or they're they're, they're psychopaths or they're unreservedly evil. You think they're human. They've made mistakes often, terrible mistakes with awful consequences, but they are human, and we recognise something of ourselves in them. So. So, you know, a, sh- a format like, like this 12 eps I've had to do that is it's just a, it's a gift to, to exploring character. And this structure is a gift as well. And what does your actor past, what has that given you in terms of going on to be a writer? What have you learnt being an actor that's helped towards being a writer? Have you ever thought, you know, I'll give myself a little bit to do in Unforgotten? No. Why not? Uh, what it's taught me is that I'm glad I'm a writer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're going to choose out of the four disciplines in this in this business, you know, writing the key ones: writing, producing, directing, and acting. I've done them all. Undoubtedly, acting is the most fun. It's just such an enjoyable way to earn a living. But the problem is, you you don't often get to do it. Um, I was saying to some actors the other day, the great thing about being a writer is that no one has to no one no one has to tell you when you can do it i can sit down well in fact i do sit down literally every single day of the working week at eight o'clock and i start writing and and regardless of whether i've got you know a particular project green lit whether i'm in production or not i'm writing every single day of the week for the last 30 years and um if i'm not in production then i'm writing stuff that i'm hoping to get into production or i'm developing new stuff Uh, whereas as an actor you know it's 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 tough you have to wait for the phone to ring um, and in fact, as a director and a producer to a degree, but writing, you can do it anytime. You can do it anywhere. Um, uh, so it's, you know, I, 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 I loved those, those days. They were great fun, but I, I moved very, very quickly into writing. I was writing from the day I left RADA, in fact, um, 
uh, although I carried on acting for maybe 10 years or so, I was always writing during that time as well. How do you feel about the way the industry has changed in the time that you've been writing and the fact that people are talking about shows like yours on social media, the fact that we're binging on shows? I mean, I'm sure there's a fair few people, if all six episodes had dropped somewhere, people will have seen them all by now. What do you think of the the way the TV industry has changed in that regard? I mean, in many ways, it's fantastic. I think it's problematic for some broadcasters because um, their metrics are based on slightly older models where mm. people watched uh, and, and their, their whole business model is, is determined to a degree by how many people watch it on the night. And, you know, the amount of tweets that I've read on, on the hashtag Unforgotten um, uh, thread, uh, which say, you know, I'm stacking, I'm stacking to binge. Is that is that friends of mine are saying, oh no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put two or three together because you know in in this uh, in this culture of uh, in, in, uh, in delayed gratification is becoming yeah. a, a, an outmoded concept, and and if you are being instantly gratified by watching shows that you can download in one hit on Netflix or Amazon. Um, or you can, you know, link them on 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 Sky Plus or whatever, and then just yeah. watch them all in. So as you say, of course, the broadcasters are still looking at the ratings, aren't they? Really, the overnight figures and and things like that are still very important to the way the broadcasters work. So it's sort they of a double-edged sword, I suppose. Actually, the overnights and Unforgotten are, are good; they're solid, but they're nothing extraordinary because it's up against a massive hitter on on the BBC. But the catch-up is extraordinary. So you know. I would imagine when they do the 28-day catch-up, I would imagine, because already well over, well over a third of the audience's catch-up. It's about two-fifths at the moment. Uh, wow, so like, that's fascinating. It's huge. I mean, like two and a half million, nearly two and a half million caught up on episode three. 3.7 watched it live, and then 2.4, 2.5 caught up. Uh, it sort of makes you wonder where that comes from. Is that word of mouth? Is that people on the internet saying you've got to? Is that work colleagues saying, did you see Unforgotten last night? And then they have to go and check up. It's interesting, you know, how that catch-up thing comes into well, play, I think it's, really. It's, it's, I think the audience is always there. It's a loyal audience. I think that's kind of what we got last series uh, against much less stiff competition. We were getting sort of six, six and a half on, on, on consolidated. And I think that audience all came back, so, but they don't. They don't particularly want to watch it on the night. They they might want to watch um, Death in Paradise. They might want to feel a bit of you know sunny stuff. They might not want to look at the ads, and and they'll think right. Well, I'll watch Death in Paradise live, and then I'll record Unforgotten, yeah. and then watch it uh, tomorrow night. And I might even not watch it tomorrow night. I might wait a week and then watch two in a go because an hour and a half is a nice bit of telly to watch rather than yeah, true. than, than forty five minutes. You know, so so yeah, it's it's a very different. Uh, 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 world and in terms of the social media I love that I absolutely love it you know you make connections on social media that you five years ago you'd never have made you know we're, we're chatting now because you, you hooked up with me on Twitter or something and, yeah. and I got a lot of people who tweet me after the show's gone out and ask me questions about it there's for the fantastic threads on Guardian Media which I sometimes read and you hear everyone's theories they're brilliant I love it you know it can be quite solitary sometimes you can you can do this stuff. You can spend, you know, a year and a half making it. It goes out on the telly, and you, you, all you really get is your mates, your mum ringing up and saying, "Oh, it's marvelous, darling." And then, and then, you know, some reviews, and that's it. But with social media, suddenly you're you're actually connecting with your audience. You know, and there are hundreds, thousands after the show goes out. 
And it's the equivalent of having a, a studio audience, really, isn't it? Because do, when they first did sitcoms without the laugh track, they had no idea whether things were really working, whereas you can go on social media as soon as Unforgotten is finished and see yeah. people are loving this, and yeah. it must be very exciting. From, it is exciting, and it's it's just that connection with your audience. I, I, I just like being able to say... They can give me. They can give me some feedback. Is it say on this show? It's generally very positive, and I can say, well, look, thanks so much for watching. I really appreciate your support, and I do. You know, we all do. We love it. And sometimes they'll ask a question about a plot point, and I can answer it. Um, you know, you don't want to spend your life doing that because it. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't be writing at eight in the exactly. morning. You'll just be good. But it's just, it's a lovely thing, and to, to, you know, you know that people are out there. They're watching your show and they're enjoying it, and you're giving, you know, you're you're you're, you're, you're making someone's hour pass enjoyably, which is all any of us want to do in life. <laughs> you've got you've got Innocent coming up for ITV as well. Um, yeah. Would you consider more Unforgotten if if the team came to you and said, look, we want to keep this going? Do you think you could? Didn't there's a third in you, or, or what do you think at this point? Yeah, there's, there's, there is a third, um, and, and, and then I think that would be it. Um, you know, it is down to figures and on audience, and, and also the logistics of pulling the whole team back together again. But if the appetite is there, you know, I, 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 I think uh, we could make it happen. But we, we, you know, we have to. The broadcaster has to look at their figures and work out what. Yeah. I got Innocent coming out. I hope in March, April, something like that. We're just still in post production on that, but it's nearly finished, and uh, very excited about that as well. Do broadcasters come to you and say, "I want a four, or do you say, "Look, I've written this. I think it's a four, and we're, yeah, the, we're, the latter. We're... Yeah, okay. you tell them really what what you think it is. You're you're alive always to what slots they they like. Um, you know, I went in the other day. And was pitching something, and I said, I and I sort of think it's an, I think it's an eight-parter, and, <laughs> and they said, um, they said, oh, is it okay? Because eights, it is. I mean, we do do them, but they are quite. They've got very few slots for eight parts. And I said, so did I say eight? I meant six. Went, <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> it's funny how that slip of the yes, tongue sorry, happens. It's isn't six-parter. It? It's absolutely definitely yeah. a six-parter. We rubbish at eight. That's a funny little quirk of the industry, still, isn't it? Because one hand we're saying people are binging on things of 8, 10, 12 episodes in a, in a weekend or a night. And in another way, we're saying we still only want six or eight for a yeah. series because that's the slots we've got. It's a strange little quirk. It's economics. Of, it's the yeah. economics in this country are very different to the States where they yeah. have to make that many in order to recoup the huge, huge investment they put into shows that don't work. You know, their, their pyramid is, is far broad, wider at the base than ours is. I was, I was uh, having dinner with a, one of the actors in Unforgotten the other night, actually, and he was t- telling me he was doing a pilot out in the States and yakking away, and, and he suddenly felt some cake. He was standing on the studio floor, um, you know, just about to shoot a scene. They were on episode four or something and he suddenly felt some cable sliding between his uh, his feet and he looked down and it was shooting back being wound up as the crew were all no. back and and that just sort of you know 30 seconds after that was happening um the producer came on board uh, walked down and said sorry guys we just got the figures oh my God. and we're canned and he said and he said and the producer to give him his credit he said well look the buffet's there go and have some sushi <laughs> do enjoy it yeah you may as well you know take a table home exactly fill your <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your... that i mean i live there so i know they promote things like mad and then they're on and then you never see them again it's bizarre I'm yeah. so glad 
that we don't live in that world yeah. here. But well, exactly, it... and we don't, we do not spend money like that, and and that's the reason they have to have those very long runs because, it, you know, the, the few successes uh, out there, they pay for everything else. Can you watch a drama and? go oh I'm, i wish i'd written that or can you yeah. take your your writer's hat off and just enjoy yeah. a drama for a drama's sake yeah i can i mean i'm not sure i do take the writer's hat off because i will always be analyzing it <coughs> i was watching the last episode of the affair season three last night no and, spoilers but, i haven't seen that yet you haven't seen what the series or the no the final one i haven't right, seen the yeah. final one it's, funny, it's been a funny show the funny series i love I the second i don't know what to make of it uh, to be honest it's been it's been hot and cold. I think it just when I thought oh, I'm giving up on this, then they they do a cracking episode. Um, yeah. I'm not sure at all. The, the final one is it completely in Paris or just? Yeah, it's really weird. You're suddenly spending all this time with with the girlfriend, the lecturer, and yeah. um, <coughs> who is my least interesting bit. Well, one of the yeah, most interesting. Yeah, I sort of agree me. with you. And and then you're you're in Paris with him, and he, we actually we started watching it, and then we went we we missed the net. We accidentally jumped. <laughs> yeah, we've got rid of it nine. Somewhere. We did. So we went yeah. back to the the planner, and we pulled it up and played it, and went, no, that we did see nine. We've seen nine. So uh... what the hell has happened between nine, where he's going completely bonkers, I think, and yeah, and, 10. and he worked out he stabbed himself, right? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. yeah. It is an interesting piece of telly, The Last Step, and I won't give you any spoilers, it's, no. other than it's not massively dramatic. But, um, yeah, I do <coughs> I do watch shows, um, and, and uh, with putting aside the writer's hat, and, and just think, Christ, I wish I'd written that. A show, I think you talked about it on, on, on your site, uh, was it you talking about Billions, which I really liked for yeah. its and for its fizz i think some people felt it was a little like it's cocky know. it's a cocky show yeah isn't it? it's sort of a here we are loud brass show but yeah. it, it still works going back to unforgotten just briefly we've had national treasure and line of duty sort of on the same vein yeah. as unforgotten how yeah. how nervous were you that you didn't sort of retread yeah the things they'd done last year. Yeah, well, well, I was obviously. Um, I watched Line of Duty with slight growing dread, but it it sort of touched on it, but it it didn't really go into the no, same ter- no. territory. And then National Treasure was very much um, about ce- the celebrity culture, and you know, it's a Channel Four audience, it's a very different audience. So I wasn't massively worried about it. And I also, I'll be absolutely honest, I also felt, well, you know what, I did historic crime first, deeply historic crime. Um, uh, uh, in the first series, which also, you know, had had sexual elements to it, so I didn't feel like I was uh, borrowing from anyone. Um, and uh, you know, it, when there are ideas out there in in the air, uh, lots of writers will will pick up on it, and it, it, it's inevitable that people touch on the same things. But such such different approaches, such different writers, you know, yeah. uh, felt like there's a, there was a place for everyone. I mean, you know, Na- National Treasure Line of Duty and Unforgotten could not be more different. Each of them stylistically. No, um, and but they were they were all very good in their different ways. Uh, well, I, I say that one of them is my show, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> completely unbiasedly, you yeah. just say, yeah, you know, that, I, I'm a great fan of Jed's as well. Um, I, you know, he writes with great verb as well and uh, beautiful detail. And uh, you know, so I watched all of that. And it's a very different show, um, uh, but you know, there's place, there's room for everyone. And I wanted to ask you quickly about the theme tune. Where did, we always sing that every Thursday. Yeah. Where yeah. did that theme? Where did that theme? Did you know that before? No. <laughs> I 
had said, let's have an interesting song rather than get our brilliant composer, Michael. Um, yeah, he should always get a shout out. He, he just writes the most beautiful score. But actually, maybe coming from something like The Affair, listening to that really odd, weird in tune on that. See, differently, I skipped that. I, always, I heard it a couple of times. I skip it now because it just, for me, it doesn't gel with the show, whereas this gels with the show a lot. And I've noticed the little things that you do in the credits before, like the, yeah. ref- the tiny references that I hadn't picked up. Yeah, yeah. And if, you initially, freeze, if you freeze frames them, oh, the, you, there's you, a tent there that I don't yeah. know the reference of. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it will become clear. They're all they're all little uh, hints um, at backstories and 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 what's more, what may or may not have happened. We decided, or I decided, I wanted a, 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 a song, and uh, and then there are companies that look for songs for you, and so they sent us, yeah, sort of fifty or sixty different ones, and I scrolled through them all, and I heard that one. And I knew it immediately. And well, also the hiding away things. Yeah, exactly. Quite apt, it was, it it? wasn't just the tune, it was the lyric as well. All we do is hide away. All we do is, all we do is hide away. All we do is lie in wait. All we do is, all we do is lie in wait. I've been upside down. I don't want to be the right way. And I sent it to my co-producers, my co-execs, and I said, what about this? And they both went, bang, yeah, 100%. That. And then obviously I played it to my family, and my kids went, no, you can't have that, Dad. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> and so, therefore, that was the final endorsement. <laughs> yeah, if it didn't like a rap remix, yeah, maybe. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. my 14-year-old son was not going to have the taste of uh, uh, an ITV audience. And I think it's, uh, it, I think it's exactly right, and I still love yes. listening to it. It's sort of bridge-esque, isn't it? Sort of that um, everything goes back to the beginning thing that yes. they have at the end of the... It sort of reminds me a little bit of that, but we yes. always we we always watch the previously on Unforgotten and then sing the theme tune. To the, <laughs> every, I, I think everyone sings the theme tune. Yeah. We sing the theme tune. We yeah. sing the theme tune to all of the songs that you... All of the shows you've just mentioned. I, <laughs> I still, last night, I sang the theme tune to The, to the Affair. And, and the competition in, in our house... If, well, when I say competition, it's only me that's playing. It's, it's <laughs> so to see if I, note, if I hit the note, bang on. You know, I can get the perfect pitch before she comes in with, Huzzee! Huzzee! <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I don't love that one. I do I, I do, I sort of like it to set the tone, but I don't feel like I can join in on that one. <laughs> well, the lyrics are so weird as well. I actually had yeah. to go and look up what the lyrics were. And then I think I, I printed them out and then I sang it to my wife. That's just like the ocean. Yeah. Because so, they got so, an obsession yeah. with water on that show that they yeah. they kind of explained it with the sun dying. But the rest of the time, I, I don't really know. Sometimes I wonder whether they know what story they're telling. That's what I worry about with the affair. Well, I Whether think they when, actually know when you're in your, into your third and then possibly your fourth series. I think you've quite often. I'm not saying it with that show necessarily, but quite often they've, you've moved a long way away from your yeah. your starting point, and you might perhaps be struggling to still find story. Hence, um, what are we doing in Paris? <laughs> yeah, if he goes to Disneyland Paris, I'm just deleting <laughs> from the planner. If there's a scene where he's sort of having a selfie with Goofy at any point. Then I'm just going to take yeah. it off the planet right now. 
Thanks so much to Chris Lang for the opportunity to speak to him. The wonderful second series of Unforgotten. If you've missed it somehow, shame on you. If if you have, though, uh, the DVD of the second series in its entirety is released on Monday the 6th of March. So you can pick up your copy then. Um, also, uh, if you want to follow Chris on Twitter, if you didn't realise he was actually available to chat to, like you said... If you've got any questions on plot points, he might better answer them for you. He's twitter.com forward slash at Chris Lang writer. So you can find him there. Uh, if you want to talk to me about this interview, not sure why you would. If you want to, at Luke Custard TV for me on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Custard TV as well. And of course, the website this all stems from is thecustardtv.com. Make sure you back here for the next podcast and i'll see you then download this podcast from the custardtv.com hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.